Working virtually isn't the same as working in person. On this episode, Susan Gerke returns to share the time-tested principles of how to lead a virtual team. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 465. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One of the most popular conversations I've been having over the last few weeks is how do I lead a virtual team? Today, I'm glad to welcome back to the show Susan Gerke, who is an expert on team leadership and has many years of experience in teaching leaders how to lead virtually. Susan has been the president for many years of Gerke Consulting and Development. She's worked with global teams and has certified facilitators around the world to deliver management, leadership, and team offerings, including doing courses for us in the past. Susan is the creator of GoTeam, a training suite for organizations to power team performance. Susan, I am so glad to have you back on the show. Hey, and I'm glad to be back, Dave. When we started having this conversation about a week ago about leading virtual teams, I had no idea, as much as you and I have worked together over the years, how much you have done of this work over the years. And I was surprised that back in 1995, IBM was looking to you to begin teaching leaders how to do this, weren't they? Yeah, it was really a fun assignment. A couple of my colleagues and I were tasked with putting together curriculum for our leaders so that they could more effectively lead the people that they no longer sat near in their offices as as they started to have more and more dispersed office spaces. It was less about at home then and more about just in, in a different physical location. Yeah, indeed. And of course, a lot has changed around technology over the years, but also a lot hasn't changed. And that really came up for me this week. Some of you listening will recall a few weeks ago, we put out a survey and just asked two questions of everyone in our listening audience. What is working for you? What tips do you have around leading virtually? And also, what do you need support on right now? And we put together all the data. We had over 500 people respond. We analyzed everything. And I sent the results to Susan and Susan had one comment for us, right, Susan? That's right. Nothing has changed in my 20 plus years of working with leaders and asking the question of what are you finding challenging? It's the same stuff that came up in the survey, Dave. It's, you know, if I can't see them, how do I know they're working? How do I give them feedback? How do we have meetings? How do we do these things that we're just we didn't ever think about how to do them because everybody was face to face. And so now how do I do it? And, and people really struggling with that. And so it, it's amazing to see it's the same. Now, I, I will tell you something that's different, two things, really. The technology today is vastly better. We had landlines, fax, and email back in 95. And the other thing I think is important for us, and the reason you and I are having this conversation is right now with the situation we're all in, Some of you have been working from home, but you haven't had all your family there with you. Or some of you have been working remotely, but not at home. And so the thing that is different right here today is there's some different dynamics going on for some of you. Besides this, my people aren't in front of me, and how do I do that? So we want to share some of both of those things today. 
Well, I so appreciate what you've put together for us. And we are going to do our very best in this episode to tackle as many of the tips and ideas and things that you have seen work for leaders over the years, Susan. And I think our invitation for everyone is let's see if you can latch on to three of these. You're going to hear some things that are applicable for you. You're going to hear some things that probably aren't. But I think if we can have you walking away from this conversation, taking action on three things that you hear, you're going to be a little further along than most may be on leading virtually. That sound like a good starting point for us, Susan? Yeah, I think that's perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, let's begin with some, as as you call them, truisms. Tell me what you mean by truisms and, and what are some of them that come up on leading virtually? In all these years of working with leaders and and really trying to help solve this issue for people or at least figure out how to do it, there's some key phrases, if you will, almost, or, or key concepts that when I would put them out there, there was instant connection with it, with leaders. Oh, yes, that's true. Yes, I find that true. So there's things that people have found to be true in this virtual environment. So, so let me share. For example, some of your people or some of you will love working from home. And in fact, you're thinking, oh, I don't want this to end for those of you who it might end. And some people are going to hate it and already hate it for any variety of reasons, but this doesn't work for everybody. So that's just to me a, a truism. You ju- we just need to recognize it's not gonna be the same for everybody. In fact, one size does not fit all, if you will. Another truism I think is really important is out of sight will feel like out of mind. As a leader, you might be thinking about all of your people and concerned about all of your people, but they won't see that. And because they don't see you, they assume you're not thinking about them, whether you are or not. Mm -hmm. Which leads to another truism is, in this virtual environment, however much you communicate, it will be perceived by your followers as less than you think it is. You communicate, you communicate, you're texting, you're calling, you're having meetings, you're doing all that. But when you are not, then they have this blank space where they don't see you in your office or see you walking by. Or It's amazing that they will think you're communicating less than you are. So you need to communicate more. And is that the adjustment? Is it a quantity adjustment, Susan, or is it richer than that? Oh, I think it's richer than that. There, There is a quantity issue. But there's also a building a deeper trust, whatever trust you have now, building a deeper trust with your people so that they know you've got their back. When you've seen people do that well, what is it they, they've done when moving into a virtual space that has helped that trust either to stay the same as it was in the office or maybe even to increase over time? Well, I think it has a lot to do with the conversations you have with them. And you making a, a statement as well. There are things that are different than what they were two weeks ago, right? We used to be in the same office. We aren't anymore. Or we used to work in office buildings separate as they were, but neither one of us was working at home or whatever. And so stating it, don't assume that everybody has thought about that there are differences in the way we interact and the way we're going to work. I mean, they're worried about where am I going to put my computer and how do I keep the dog from barking. They're not necessarily thinking about, this is different for everybody in the team, no matter where we all are. And so conversations about 
that, just frankly saying, you know what, this is different. So what's going to work well for us and what's not going to work so well for us? And what do we do about that? You mentioned to me there's also a formality difference with this as well, too, of the spontaneity that we're used to in a physical space just doesn't feel the same and it isn't the same really online. Yeah. One of the examples I like to use, especially when leaders say, you know, they don't tell me when stuff's going wrong. Well, think about this. If I'm in the office and you're my boss, Dave, and I kind of walk past your office or we walk out of a meeting together, I might in this very informal way say, hey, Dave, I've got this thing going on, whatever issue it is, but don't worry. I've got it under control. I'll let you know if I need any input, but I I think I've got it. I just want to give you a little heads up. We do that. We don't do that virtually because if I'm going to say that to you virtually, I've now got to make it formal by calling you, texting you, reaching out to you. I don't know what you're doing right now. It doesn't feel casual. And so people don't reach out as much as they would have if they were face-to-face in general. Now, these are all generalities, right? This doesn't happen for everybody, but you've got to expect this could be the case. And so what happens is by time you, the leader, finds out what's going on, it's already blowing up. You're not getting the early warning, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. You're not finding out about things as quickly as you would in a physical environment. And so there's an adjustment there that needs to be made. Absolutely. Absolutely. What helps people to make that adjustment? And what does that adjustment look like? I think it's probably more than just quantity of check-in, right? Yeah. Well, and the fear is, of course, the micromanagement's going to start to happen, right? You're going to be checking in with me 20 times a day and asking me, is there anything I should know? Is there anything I should know? And it's like, leave me alone. So, so we do have to think about the adjustment. And in fact, some of what I want to share today is some specifics about one-on-ones and what you need to do to help with that, as well as some specifics about just connecting in general that will help as well. And actually, we talked the other day about just how do you get started? And and to me, that's the starting place, which I'd like to share a little bit about. Yeah, please. And I'm conscious too, we're having this conversation intentionally several weeks after all of this has changed in the world because, and so many organizations have been spending the time now putting together logistics, new systems, new schedules. And that work is not done, but it is further along. And now folks are starting to settle in, for better or worse, on a new reality. And now is the time to start thinking about, okay, we're going to need to get started here in this new reality if we haven't already. And what does that look like? Yeah. And I think people are starting to feel the cracks, right? Something's different. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure what and how to deal with it. So so here's my suggestion. If this is at all a challenge for you is, Your very next meeting, I don't care if that's tomorrow or next week, but the very next meeting you have with your team, or you might need to schedule one, is share your concerns and your environment. It needs to be okay for people to say, you know, I've got a dog that barks a lot, or I'm having to do this at my kitchen table or whatever. But for them to share, they need to hear you first. So share two things. Share your concerns. Mine might be, I don't have any space to work, so I'm at one end of the dining room table and my spouse is at the other end of the dining room table. 
So whatever concerns are, or my technology is really slow, you know, I've got not very good internet, or I've got, what are my concerning me about this? And even things like, I'm afraid I'm not going to hear about things as often from you guys because we share so much after meetings or during breaks or whatever. So share some of those concerns and then be really clear about the environment as well. Okay, so I have three children at home, two pretty self-sufficient. I got a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, they're pretty good. I've got a three-year-old. Okay, this is my world. So, you know, we're going to need to live with my world. You all have worlds as well. And depending on your team, how close-knit they are, how big they are, you could share some of that as a whole team. You have to gauge whether your whole team will want to talk about that. But I would tell them, I'm going to share some things about my world here. And I'd like to have a one-on-one with each of you today or tomorrow so that you can help me understand your environment. When folks do that, what have you seen that is helpful about starting the conversation that way? Now it makes it okay to talk about when it's a problem. Or when I say, you know what, if my kid needs their diaper changed and my spouse is on a conference call, I'm going to have to end a conversation with somebody and go change the kid's diaper. I mean, it comes out of the blue if we haven't already talked about what's the environment. And this is the opportunity to clarify expectations. If we didn't have our families at home and all the craziness, it's a little bit different, I think. But now we have to say, what hours is everybody available? Some of you have responsibility for helping your kids with their schoolwork or whatever. So we've got to have some conversations about, am I expected to be available 100% of the time from 8 to 5? Or, you know, do we each get half an hour in the morning, a half an hour in the afternoon to deal with stuff? Or how are we going to do that? Yeah, It's a bigger deal right now with this. We're working on, everybody's working from home. So there might be a different conversation than when they're just in another office space. And some of you may still have that as well, right? But it's still, what are the expectations? I used to find that leaders, some expected their people to just work a normal day, eight to five or whatever it was. And other ones expected their people to answer the phone 24-7. But I'd like to know what that is. Am I allowed to turn off my phone to have dinner with my family? Am I expected to respond to a text in the evening or an email? What's the guidelines here for how we're going to operate in the expectation? Both sides. What, What can you expect of me as a leader? And what do I expect of you as my followers? I really like the invitation for the person who's leading the team to start that conversation and talk about their environment. Because like you said, then it makes it okay to have those conversations. But there's there's that natural professional tendency in a lot of us to not have that conversation unless someone starts it, right? And so if if we're willing to start it, then I think we lower people's stress level a bit and anxiety and say, okay, we can have a conversation about this. This is a healthy thing for us to figure out. Yeah. I mean, it's a major change for people to suddenly be home all day with their entire family. So that's going to create some amount of stress to begin with. And we'll get to the conversations you need to have at home. But we're going to have to all be more accommodating to the situation as long as we've got this COVID-19 stay-at-home deal going on and be compassionate about that as well. So you know what, maybe I need to take a half an hour break in the mornings to do something for my family. I find when I'm out walking in the neighborhood, a lot of families, it seems like it's recess time for the kids or something or lunch break. We, My husband and I walk a lot. 
and um, it's interesting to see the different times of day that entire families are out walking together. Yeah, indeed. We've been doing that as a family too. So, uh, okay, good. So that's where to start. Anything else that's a critical starting point, if that conversation hasn't yet been had, if that starting point hasn't kind of been illuminated, that that's useful for, for folks at the beginning? Yeah. And, and there's another piece. This is about people's different styles. And, you know, we, we get to know our colleagues and their personalities and so on, but we're not always that familiar with how they process information. And so I want to share an example because I think it matters both with your colleagues as well as your family. I was coaching a, a leader uh, a couple of years ago, and she, and we were working on her leadership style and some things like that. But she said, Susan, can I talk about something personal with you? And I said, sure. She said, I find I'm taking really long showers these days for whatever reason, and my husband comes in during my shower to talk to me. Oh. And she says, and it's, I'm finding it very irritating. And so I said, okay, let's talk about that. In the end, here's what we discovered. They had moved recently, and her commute had gone from well over an hour to about eight or nine minutes. And this particular woman is an, what I will call an internal processor. And so what was happening is during that hour-plus drive home, she was processing all the stuff that had gone on during the day, and that's something that works for her. When she had eight or nine minutes to get home, she wasn't getting it done. And so she was going and taking a shower where she thought she could have her own space. And in the shower, she was processing, uh-huh. and which is why her showers were getting extended. But oh. her husband, here's, here's the great part of the story. Her husband is an external processor. He needs to verbally process what he's done, not think it through inside. And in this move, he now was working from home remotely from his team, and he was missing lunch with his team, breaks with his team, talking after meetings with his team. So when she walked in the door, he just couldn't stand it. He was so pent up with, he needed to talk. And so they both suddenly were in each other's, it just, it just didn't work. And so they were able, after she and I figured this out, to sit down and talk together. She could describe what she needed and ask him if our assessment of his needs was accurate. And when they figured that out, then they sat down and put together a plan for how she could process her day and how he also could process his day. But they were going to, right, they needed to make space for both. You may be aware of this in the office, in meetings, those who need to think about it before they speak up versus those who it just seems to run from their mouth. The problem with the remote environment is everything gets amplified. So your quiet people seem to be quieter in your meetings, on your conference calls, in your one-on-ones, and your talkers seem to need to fill every moment. So this style difference is really important as you're trying to figure out how to lead your people because your talkers are going to, they'll come find you. You'll know what's going on with them because they're going to process it verbally with you. And the other ones are going to say, why don't they ever talk to me? Because they're working on processing it. Yeah. This is a fascinating example you just gave. And I'm imagining that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of those conflicts happening right now. And folks not necessarily knowing what happened other than everyone changed context and we're all at home. But not really seeing the underlying different preferences 
that we all have in our personalities that a change of context like this really does force us to do some things that we're not used to doing. And so I'm thinking about this even from like a home standpoint, Susan, and, and many of us are now around our families all day long for better or worse. And, and, and in most cases, both, right? Depending on the yes. time of day and situation. For someone who's never had that conversation, has not sat down with a spouse or partner or child. And I mean, depending on the age of the child, of course, but what's a good place to start with? I like to start with, here's something I've learned about myself. <laughs> uh, and, and right now you've got so many people who are used to a commute who suddenly their commute is five seconds, right? So for those of you who are internal processors, and this is clear for you, to be able to say, you know what, I didn't realize it, but I'm now learning that I used to spend my commute time processing. And I'm finding now that we're all together, I don't have a place to do that, a time and a place to do that. And so I, number one, I'd like to figure out how we can do that for me, but also number two, I'd like to figure out what you all need as well. And you can do that with your family. You can do that with, I would do it with everybody who works for me as well. If you haven't already ever had that conversation to just say, how do you like to do things? Would you rather I send you an email first so you know what I want to talk about so you can think about it and then we'll talk about it? Or do you want to just jump in and talk about it? I mean, simple things like that that really can be impacted by style. Ah, or even, and just taking that to the next level, like how much do you, let's talk in advance of how much I should check in. And right. obviously as a manager, you might have some framework for that. Like, okay, we need to at least check in this much, but that way, when you do check in at those times, it's not micromanagement because it's what you agreed to in advance you were going to do. And then it's no one's surprised and you just you just jump in and, and do what needs to be done versus people feeling put off or, oh my gosh, you know they're, they're getting too much of my business or not enough and that kind of thing that a lot of us tend to deal with in a context change like this. You're right on there, Dave. And what I used to, I used to teach this concept a lot in delegation as well is there's a big difference between checking in and checking up. I don't know anybody who likes to be checked up on. Most of us don't mind being checked in with. And the difference is the expectation up front. So if I know you and I need to touch base once a day, that's an expectation. So I'm not surprised when you check in with me. But when there's no expectation and you call, well, you never used to call me when I was down in the office, right? Now, why are you calling me? So really important to have a conversation about checking in and how do we, not only how often is that expected, but what does that look like? And you'll have a far better chance of not having them feel like you're checking up. And when you check up, it feels like micromanaging. This is a good transition to something you said earlier is one-on-ones and how that maybe looks a little different in a virtual environment than it does in person. When you are coaching leaders on how to think about one-on-ones in a virtual context, where do you start? Well, I think initially, again, you say, you know what? While we try and figure this out, let's have more check-ins for a little while until we can find out what the rhythm is that's right for you and me. Maybe you and I, Dave, figure out once a day is good, but maybe another one of the people who works for me would be better with two. And it might have to do with what work you're doing or how long you've worked for me or whatever. But let's upfront be honest and say, you know what, I want to do a little more checking in at the beginning 
while we're all trying to figure this out. I don't have the visual. I, you know, I don't have that informal stuff. So let's just do that. And then, so you can have some random ones, right? Let's just connect. But also have a regularly scheduled time that you're going to talk. So Dave, you are two o'clock on Tuesday afternoons. And you know you're at two o'clock on Tuesdays, and I know you're at two o'clock on Tuesdays. Or maybe it's every day at two o'clock. I don't know. But have a regular schedule. And then I like the person I'm leading to bring the agenda and to go first. So instead of me setting the agenda, let them set the agenda. I can bring my stuff up at the end, but find out what's on their mind and give them a chance to speak first and just keep your mouth closed while they're talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love the question from Michael Bungay-Stanier from The Coaching Habit of what's on your mind and just starting there and seeing what people say. And to your point, that, that allows them, even if they didn't show up with an agenda or they may not be used to doing that, it gets them right away thinking like, okay, well, what do I need right now that will be helpful? And when you ask that question, then shut your mouth and let them answer. Some of us don't do very well with space and it feels like longer space virtually. And if we jump in and say, for instance, are you thinking about this? Are you working on that? You've just lost your opportunity. Train them, if you will, to know that you're going to ask what's on your mind and they will begin to bring the agenda And the other really important question for them is to ask it afterwards, how can I help? They don't always need advice. Some people you're going to find in particular just need to talk it through. And at the end, they're good. Other ones are looking for you to help them in some way, but ask how you can help. You need them to feel more empowered, feel more like they can make some decisions and do things on their own, which means you need to be asking more questions instead of giving the answers. Uh, Nice. You mentioned that this is a starting point, maybe checking in a little more often. You've got a regular schedule. When do you know that that needs to be adjusted or maybe you don't need to check in as much? I think, again, you have a conversation about it. I'd, I'd give it a couple of weeks and then say, okay, we've been doing this for two weeks. Are we checking in too often or not enough for you? Or if you think there's not enough, then say, you know what? I just feel like I'm not as well prepared when I meet with my boss as I need to be. So it would help me to, to check in a little more frequently. I hope that'll work for you. What do you think? Mm. So just talk about it. We, it's amazing how we don't talk about these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like when people ask someone like you or I, well, how do I recognize people? How do I motivate them? And often one of the first suggestions we'll have is, well, just ask and see what they say. And then that's a starting point and you adjust and adapt as you go. But if you're willing to ask the question at the beginning, at least it gives you a place to start from. And that's actually another thing I want to ask you about is staying connected with people, not just on the one-on-ones, but in general. It's harder now virtually than it is when it happens more naturally in a physical space. What can we do outside of maybe the formal one-on-ones to keep connected and keep the relationship really going? One of my favorites has always been the virtual cup of coffee. (laughs) And literally, I call you or I text you and say, would you like to have a virtual cup of coffee? And what that, and I got to be sure everybody understands what that means. What that means is, would you like to just take a break and chat for a few minutes? No agenda, no to-dos, no action items. Just let's just chat. Right. And if you can do it on video these days, it's so nice because it feels even more connected. Because if we were in the office, I might see you at your desk and say, hey, you want to go grab a cup? And we go grab a cup of coffee together. Do it in the virtual space as well. 
maybe there's somebody you do that regularly with. Maybe that's the format they would like better. But tell your people about the virtual cup of coffee, see who connects with it, and and use that as a tool. Um, or or text somebody and say, have you got five minutes? I've got a quick issue I'd like to talk about. Have you got five minutes? Or text me back when you do have five minutes. So use the technology in that way versus calling, right? Just say, let me know when you've got five minutes. I think people do that a lot these days anyway, because technology is so easy for that. But be sure you're using some of that in this environment as well. I have a leader who worked, I worked with one time who's, he was in California and his whole team was in, I think it was Austin, Texas. So they all got to work before he did. And so when he got to work, he sent an individual text to each one and said, hi, I'm at work now. Let me know if you need anything today. Because if he was physically in the same office, he'd probably have walked around to each of them and said, good morning. Nice to see you. Right. So do that. Or at the end of the day, it might work better. Well, and actually what his people did then when they were going home at the end of the day, they'd say, okay, heading home now. Bye. And so there's things we do when we're in the same location. We just don't think about how to do those same things in this new environment. So one thing we can be watching for is just thinking of those things we might naturally do and those verbal interactions that are missing. And rather than just grieving a bit that they're missing or feeling disconnected, yes, feel those feelings, right? And think, okay, how could I do a bit of this? No, it's not going to be the same thing, but how could I you know, send a text or do the virtual coffee or have a session where there's no agenda? We've actually been doing that this last couple of weeks in the academy. We've had a few listening sessions and the rule is show up and no advice giving and, and no agenda. It's just whatever comes up is, is cool. And it was funny because we were having a discussion this past week about how people are in the the Zoom meeting, WebEx meeting fatigue, just because it's hour after hour of that. And ironically, people were expressing their frustration on that in a Zoom meeting <laughs> because there wasn't an agenda. <laughs> and so it, did, it didn't feel like a Zoom meeting because it was a, hey, here's a place where we can just stop and connect. And that is a legitimate, real reason to have a meeting of just to stop and say, hey, let's just stay connected. And that's a totally good reason to have a meeting. Well, and one of the things you could actually do, and this is a for the whole team, not just one-on-one, but if, particularly if you're in the same time zone, eat, eat lunch as a team. So have a Zoom lunch. Oh. You can talk about it. Oh, and then it gets fun. Everybody shares what they're eating. I had a client who used to not be able to use video, but they had a lot of conference calls. And so they would open up with, everybody would share what they were currently wearing. <laughs> oh, fun. Huh. Just some light moments, right? And figure out how to do that. You can also, oh, if you've got more than one, or even just in your one-on-ones, start out with everybody share one thing they're excited about, or one thing they're proud of, or one positive thing going on for you today. So you can create the environment, or when you have your meeting with your person, tell them one thing you've noticed that you're really glad they're doing, or you, you know, some positive feedback. Just start with one thing. Say, boy, you know, Dave, I really appreciated that you did X yesterday because what a difference that made for the team. Start there. It's easy to get all caught up in what's bad and bad and not good. So let's focus on some things that are positive. Indeed. And and you have been a leader for so many of us on team building and good team expectations. And I'm going to be linking to some of those past conversations here in just a moment. I'm curious, I would be ashamed to not ask you this before I let you go, of thinking about the team building kind of things that many of us 
will do naturally when we're there physically with people, or even even if we're not often there physically, you know, the one day a week we're all together in the office that we don't have now of some of those natural things. Are there things that you have found that have been helpful to keep that going and even to build a team for the first time virtually that have worked? Oh, one of the ones that we used in a team I was in, we, we were changing technology in the office. So we were going to a whole new email system. I was leading, leading a team of 10 and we no two of us in the same location. So we, man, we were virtual. Well, some people were grabbing right on it and some people were really struggling. So we created buddies. So we paired up somebody who was kind of getting the new technology and liking it and somebody who was struggling. And so our job was to work together to do that. I, my guy was Bob from Minneapolis. He just was not getting it, not liking it, just hated it. And so he and I formed this wonderful friendship that we had for years and years and years just around email tips and, you know, what's working for you? What are you struggling with? And so we formed some teamwork out of that. It's great to put people on projects together. Another one that comes to mind right now for me is people are going to be having technology issues more than normal, probably. You probably have somebody on your team who's great at technology, then give them the role right now of being the technology guru. And that's who everybody reaches out to. Take something else off their plate so they have time for that. But somebody's good at that and probably would like to help with that. So I'm hearing a bit of peer mentoring there of, you know, hey, I'm good at this. I can help out on this side. And then, of course, the opposite's true too. Like, what am I maybe needing a little bit more support on that someone else on the team can do well? And if we can set up maybe a few of those peer mentoring relationships and get people connected during this time more intentionally than we might otherwise have, then that keeps people a little more connected than would otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah, boy, the connecting thing's so important. I mean, know the names of your people's kids or their dog, or as they tell you stuff, keep notes about that. You won't remember it. Pay attention if you can to their anniversaries, business anniversaries, birthdays, any of that. This is a time more than ever to find ways to help people know that you really do care. Think about that stuff. It matters to people. Indeed, it does. Susan, this is fabulous. We've covered a lot of ground here in just a few minutes. My hope for all of us is that we'll tackle three of these as that you've heard about today, put them into practice. If you do, It'll get you moving. And the invitation I'm always making to our Academy members is try something. Try something small, five or 10 minutes a day, and you'll find out something as you do it. You'll either find it works great, or you'll find that that wasn't the thing that worked, but that will often illuminate what's next. And if you're willing to do the what's next, then you're going to learn as you go. And that's part of the team building process, right? Susan is learning as you go and people seeing that and seeing us struggle with things. And the more we do that, the, the better it feels like a team. Yes. And remember, your family is a team as well. So you can use all these same concepts that we use with our work teams. Have a family discussion about boundaries and expectations. They need to know when it's okay to interrupt. You need to take breaks with your family. You need to, you need to figure out, I'm working, I'm not working. They need to know I'm working, I'm not working. They need to know it's okay to interrupt, not okay to interrupt. So you need to have these same frank conversations with your family. Like, tonight. (laughs) 
several related episodes to today's conversation. One of them is episode 138, The Four Unique Types of Teams with Susan Gerke also. Uh, in that conversation, Susan and I looked at some of the different patterns of teams. Uh, you know, We say the word team a lot, and we think that means one thing, but the reality is, is that there's many kinds of teams, and they do look very different. And understanding what kind of team that you're a part of or leading or maybe even being led by is very helpful in starting to unpack how you would then proceed as a leader. Episode 138 is very helpful for you on that. Also with Susan Gerke is episode 192, how to create team guidelines. As we talked about in this conversation, an opportunity here in some cases to reset some of those guidelines. And if you haven't done that before, beginning from the creation standpoint, is a very great place to start. Episode 192 walks through that in detail. It is one of the episodes that we continue to come back to over the years. So many people have found that conversation useful on how to create team guidelines. And then, of course, I'd recommend last week's episode, How to Balance Care and Accountability When Leading Virtually with Jonathan Raymond. He was on last week talking about how to utilize the accountability dial in our work with folks virtually and how to both care for people well personally and at the same time be able to also address performance and to hold both of those at the same time. That's last week's episode 464. All of those you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website and you can search the entire library by topic just by going over to coachingforleaders.com and setting up your free membership. It'll give you access to the entire listening library, searchable by topic. Also, my weekly leadership guide coming every Wednesday, all of the book notes, the member casts, and the entire resources page online as well. Many of the resources, software, services, books, products that Bonnie and I have used over the years to be useful to us in our leadership development and also in our business are listed there as well dive in on that in detail. Coachingforleaders.com is where to go to set up your free membership. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Scott Barlow back to the show. He's from Happen to Your Career, and he's going to be telling us about what the high performers aren't telling us. Join us for that conversation next Monday. Have a great week and see you Monday. Take care.